The following audio is from Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. For more information about our church, please visit lifebaptistchurch.com. Every man is born as many men and dies as a single one. That quote was first shared by Martin Heidegger, a 20th century German philosopher who was discussing whether destiny is predetermined or if it is the culmination of our choices. And while he definitely didn't write from a Christian worldview, there's definitely some things within his observation that we should note. Uh, Heidegger recognized that at birth, it seems like the options of life are limitless. Where you live and what you do and who you marry and the type of person you become, it seems like all of those are wide open. You can do anything, you can be anything, or as Heidegger said, every man is born as many men. In other words, the options and opportunities seem endless. But he also understood that the course of life is set in motion by circumstances outside of our control. For example, you can't choose your parents. You can't choose the house that you're born into. You can't choose your country of origin. For that matter, we can't even choose our own abilities and our own gifts and our own taste. I mean, we can perfect those and we can neglect those, but you and I cannot select those. There's a little rhyming for you on Father's Day. Okay, you and I cannot choose our sex, our ethnicity, our health, our socioeconomic status. Any number of things are already kind of set in motion that have nothing to do with your choice. So, as he was trying to get his mind around both sides of this equation, Heidegger finally said, your destiny can't be changed, but it can be challenged. And here's what he meant by that. You cannot choose the original path that you were established upon. That is set for you before you have the ability to make a choice. But your choices influence how you go along that path, and very likely they will influence where your journey ends. Or as he said, every man is born as many men and dies as a single one. Now, if it seems as though I am waxing a bit philosophic this morning, it is because I am. Um, It's Father's Day weekend, 2018. I've been pondering this question over the last several weeks. What is biblical manhood? What's biblical manhood? And the reason I'm asking this is if every man is born as many men and dies as a single one, then what is that one supposed to look like? Does God have a plan? Say, when you get to the end of your life, this is the type of man that he wants you to be. Now, I know that the Bible provides a lot of instruction for men, and a lot of that is situational. It's like, what do you do in this situation? Or it provides instruction based on the roles that you're in, that of a husband, that of a father, maybe an elder or a leader. But I was looking for something in the Bible that basically was talking about God's focus for biblical manhood in general. Now, while I recognize my target audience for this morning, for Father's Day weekend, is going to be men, let me also say it impacts every single person in this room. Here's why. Godly men make better husbands. Godly men make better fathers. Godly men are more engaged. They make wiser choices. They are there and present. Godly men are more loving. They're more caring. So, yes, it impacts everyone. Also, single ladies, let me say this. If you want to marry a godly man, you need to know what defines him as godly. 
Because all because somebody says, I'm a Christian, I go to church, does not define them as being godly. So we need to understand what the scriptures say on that topic. Also, as I'm throwing out some disclaimers before this message, let me say, I recognize in our postmodern world that any conversation related to gender is automatically going to be controversial. Also, you add in a religious element, and the distortion can get a little bit bigger than normal. So I understand that, and I get that. I also recognize that many of the biblical teachings on men and women, on roles and standards, will go against what our culture says is okay. Sometimes it'll go against your own personal preferences. I get that. I understand that. But that's why I'm not teaching on preferential manhood this morning. I'm not teaching on societal manhood this morning. I am teaching on biblical manhood this morning. That way we can use the Bible as our standard and our text for what does it look like to be a biblical godly man. So that being said, I invite you to go to a book that we rarely visit these days. It's the book of Titus. Titus chapter number two, while being verses two and six. I'm speaking this morning on the subject of biblical manhood for Father's Day weekend 2018. All right, let's, let's read the text. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Verse 6, likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you to walk us through the truths of your word. Help us to apply it. Help us to see where you're speaking that into our life. In Jesus' name, amen. While preparing for this message, I read a number of articles related to biblical manhood. I read some from the Gospel Coalition, others from John Piper's website called Desiring God, a number of other sites just to find out what is being said within biblical community about biblical manhood. And all of them gave great lists and all these ideas of this is what it means to be a man according to Scripture. But one of the things that I found is so much of what I located was focused on the roles or situations in which godly men act in. I wanted something to be really specific. I wanted something to say biblical manhood is, like fill in the blank. There's not any of that in the Bible. So I had to take a different route. The reason I ended up in Titus chapter 2 is Titus is a book about maturity. It addresses people from all segments. It addresses leaders and laity, young and old, men and women. But all along the way, it's saying you are to mature. There's a challenge to mature. And then it tells us what maturity looks like. And that is being fully developed in faith and in practice. So then when we get to this idea of older men, he's basically saying, this is what a mature, godly man looks like. These are the character traits that a mature, godly man has. Now, if you're wondering how it's kind of defined, because it talks about older men in verse 2 and younger men in verse 6, if you're wondering what that is, older men is generally used of those 60 and above. Some of you are praising God. You made the cut this morning. Also, younger men would be those of marriageable age, which would have been 13 to 15 in that culture. So basically from 13 through 59 is now young men. So anyway, that being said, according to this, these are the character qualities that should be exhibited, should be modeled in older, mature Christian men. And there's also a number of these that should be growing within younger Christian men. That being said, let's look at our key truth for this morning. Biblical manhood 
is demonstrated by six mature character traits. Biblical manhood is demonstrated by six mature character traits. Um, Let me explain what that means. There are a number of ways that society tells us that a young guy has become a man. In Western society, it tends to be that manhood is now something that comes because of sexual conquest, because of athletic prowess, moving out of your parents' house, making a lot of money, becoming famous, something like that. So from that perspective, manhood is focused on accomplishments. You have to do something in order to be a man. There are tribes in Africa and in South America and other parts of the world in which a person becomes a man based upon rites of passage. And that is a young guy is going to be tested in his courage, his strength, his stamina. And if he passes the test, then he will be considered to be a man. So from that perspective, you have to prove something to be a man. Now, governments all around the world tend to equate adult activity with specific ages, and that magically confer manhood if you live long enough to get to one of those ages. For example, at the age of 16, you can do something adult. You can drive a car now. If you make it to the age of 18, you can vote. You can join the military. If you make it to the age of 21, you can legally drink. So it's like adult activities are connected with arbitrary ages, and if you make it to that age, then yes, you have now become a man, an adult. Well, here's what I want you to see. Biblical manhood focuses on key character qualities that are mature character qualities. It's not about you have to do something or you have to prove something or you have to reach something, but rather you have to be something. It is about a person's character. Now, I say these are mature character qualities because you will not get there overnight. In fact, you're not going to get there by listening to a message on Sunday morning. These are character qualities that God begins to work out in our lives over the course of time. So here's the first of those. Biblical manhood leads men to be temperate. Temperate. The word temperate means free from intoxication. It also carries a wider meaning of being clear-headed. It's a word that was used metaphorically within the New Testament of someone who was moderate in their lifestyle. That is a person who avoided extravagance and overindulgence. What it's saying is older, mature Christian men recognize the difference between momentary and lasting pleasure. An older, mature Christian man knows that the pleasures of self-indulgence are not worth the cost that he's going to have to pay. The temperate man is able to discern between impulses and value. As a result, they use their time and their energy and their abilities for things that are more eternal than maybe what they did when they were younger. Moderation sets his priorities in order. He is satisfied with fewer and simpler things. He has disciplined himself to be strategic in his endeavors. We need godly mature, temperate men. Think of it like this. A temperate man can afford the 70-inch flat screen, but is content with the 40-inch one that's already on his wall. He's just come to a place in his life where the toys just don't mean that much anymore. 
He's come to a place in his life where the things of this world he recognizes are going to be left behind. You're not going to take any of it with you. So they've gotten to a place that they say, I would rather invest in something in eternity. I would rather store up my treasures in heaven than just blow it on things here. That's, that's temperance. We need godly, mature, temperate men. Here's the next word. Biblical manhood leads men to be dignified. The word speaks of being revered, esteemed, and honorable. Biblical manhood encourages guys to grow up, to be respectable men, and to be serious in the right ways. It's not that he is to be a, a gloomy killjoy, like everything in life is horrible, you all need to stop laughing and stop having fun. Rather, it is that this individual recognizes there's parts that need to be serious, and in those areas, let's be serious. There's parts to enjoy. There's parts to laugh at. This is an individual who they walk through life in a dignified way because they are in right relationship with God and he is teaching them and living through them along the way. It's the second word, dignified. Here's the next one. Biblical manhood leads men to be sensible. Sensible and self-controlled are used interchangeably within the New Testament. A sensible person possesses self-mastery in thought as well as in judgment. A sensible man has discernment and discretion from years of walking with God. They recognize problems before others even see a problem. They see things that others don't see. They, they ask questions that maybe a younger version of themselves would not ask. The sensible Christian man knows how to govern his own desires well. The sensible Christian man understands the value, listen, of waiting on the Lord. Do you know why? Because the only thing harder than waiting on the Lord is wishing you had. That comes with experience. That comes with life. That comes from recognizing what happens when you do things too quick and recognizing what happens when you just trust God to bring the pieces together. The sensible man does not live in a reactionary state to every bump in the road. Rather, he calmly and sensibly and prayerfully adjusts to God's activity around him. Now, the next three words that we find are all connected with the word sound. A person is to be sound in faith and sound in love and sound in perseverance. Now, this word sound, it means that which is healthy, proper, whole, and as it should be. So keep those, those adjectives in mind as you're thinking about each of these different words. Biblical manhood leads men to be sound in faith. That is more than just growing in faith or more than I'm working on my faith. By the age of 60 plus, it's saying a godly Christian mature man should be whole in his faith. As it should be in his faith. Mature in his faith. Why? Because around the age of 60 or more, after you have been walking with God for years. After you have been testing the promises of God for years. After God has answered prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. After you've seen God walk you through the difficult times. After you've seen God encourage you through the hard times. After you've seen God love you well and discipline you for your good and his glory. Somewhere along the way it begins to click in your mind that faith works. 
In other words, by this point along the way, it should be that we're sound in our faith, whole in our faith, strong in our faith, not just I'm give it a shot, but rather whole as it should be. Why? Because if we haven't learned it by then, chances are we never will. How many more times does God have to come through and answer and provide and care for you before you're willing to say, I'll trust him completely? Sound in faith. Here's the next one. Sound in love. This should go without saying, but some people are hard to love. I mean, they'll make a black widow look cuddly. They are hard to love. Other people are so lovable, they will fool you into thinking you're a loving person when you're not until you meet their sibling, the black widow. And then all of a sudden you recognize, I'm not nearly as loving of a person as I thought I was. Did you know the Bible not only teaches us about how we are to love others, it also teaches us whom we are to love. Here's one of the most famous passages, love the Lord your God. That's who? That's whom you love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all of your strength. Okay, that sounds easy until you try it. And then you realize that many times you're trying to love God with your leftover heart and your selfish mind and your divided soul and your remaining strength. Or the Bible says, love your enemies. I would prefer punch them in the face, but Jesus didn't ask me before that part went in. So it, it, it's hard And we recognize that the older we get, here's what clicks in our head. I can't do that. It's hard enough to like some people sometimes, much less love them at a deep level. So over the course of time, it should be that we go back to God and say, God, I can't do that, but I know Jesus can through me. So as we submit, Jesus begins to live or love people through our lives. And we see that our love becomes whole. It becomes as it should be. Spiritually mature, healthy men love well. Here's the next one. Biblical manhood leads men to be sound in perseverance. Older Christian men have just learned to keep going. Their body might hurt, they keep going. I share with the first two services. This morning I walked from the bedroom to my office. I don't know if there was a joint on my body that didn't pop, wheeze, crack, or get mad at me. And I'm thinking, man, I'm 45. I'm just hoping I can make it there when I'm 65. So older men, they just learn to keep going. The body may hurt, they keep going. They might get disappointed, they keep going. The plans might fall apart, they keep going. People might be ungrateful, they keep going. They don't give up. They know it's hard work to lead their families well and hard work to keep their marriages healthy and hard work to serve God as he desires to be served. And as a result of that, they recognize that they just keep going. They keep going. There is a perseverance in how God has begun to develop them. Now, while certain amounts of recklessness are expected in youth, Age should bring about both wisdom as well as perseverance. One of the tragic realities of life is that people can live a long time and learn nothing. Instead of living and gaining 20 to 30 years of maturity, they gained one year of maturity 20 to 30 times. They just didn't learn anything along the way. It shouldn't be that case with godly Christian men. It should be that with age comes more than just another candle on the birthday cake, but rather there is maturity, there is perseverance, they are sound in love, they're sound in faith. 
One of the things that I've been processing through as I was going through the list is with all the confusion over what men are to be or what men are not to be, I looked through this list and I was thinking to myself, what part of this list would not be good in every home, every family, every church, every community group? What, what part would not be good? L- listen to this list as we bring it back together here. Biblical manhood leads men to be clear-headed and temperate, to grow up, to be dignified and honorable, to possess self-control in thought and judgment. To not live in a reactionary state, but calmly, sensibly, and prayerfully adjust to God's activity around them. To have faith that is healthy and proper and whole. To love people as God desires for them to be loved. And to keep going even when things are hard. What part of that would not be good within our society and culture? What part of that would you not want to see developed in your sons and your son-in-laws? Okay, I got two daughters, one who is 14, one who is 15. I have been praying since before they were born that God would bring them a godly husband. And let me tell you, my prayers seem to increase dramatically year after year. (laughs) The closer they get to that age and the more I see happening in my society, it's just My heart is burdened in this area. God, would you raise up another generation? So listen, single ladies, please hear me when I say this. Most people have a list of this is what I'm looking for in a spouse one day. And and, you know, usually it starts with good looking, they're funny, got a good job. None of those are wrong, but please add this to the list. That you're praying for someone who is going to be sensible, dignified, honorable, temperate, sound in love, sound in faith, sound in perseverance, because one day they're not going to look nearly as cute as you thought. It's kind of like getting a puppy. I mean, when they're a puppy, they all look cute. And then they grow up, you're like, oh, that's an ugly dog. Okay, so you better get you something more in there than just they're funny and they have a job. You need a godly man. Do you know why so many families are in trouble? Because they're being led by 12-year-olds who can shave. They need godly men. And if we don't lift up what is the standard of biblical manhood within the church, where is it going to be lifted up? If we don't say, this is what it looks like. This is what you're shooting for. This is what it looks like on the end of like 60 and above when you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. This is what it should look like. If they don't hear that in the church, they're not going to hear it on a sports channel. They're not going to hear it in a magazine. We have to uphold. This is what biblical manhood looks like. Now, remember that these are six mature characteristics that are to be modeled in older men, but they're to be growing in younger men. Some of you are extremely excited that you made that cutoff of like 59 and below because you're like, that's a tough list. And it is. There's no question about it. But at the same time, I I want you to know that yes, it's a tough list and you might be overwhelmed. Like where in the world do I start with this? I think the apostle Paul anticipated that. That's why in verse number six, he said, young men, I urge you to be sensible. He he picked one out of the six. Let's start here. Be sensible. 
Sensible means to be prudent, to be self-controlled. The word urge is also translated admonish. It means to appeal to someone's sense of personal moral responsibility. It's a polite way of saying it's time to grow up, time to take responsibility, time to be a man. I urge you, I admonish you to be sensible. Now, since young men tend to be a bit more impetuous than older men, He's like, we're going to start with something that's very important. Be self-controlled. The older I get, the more I see how dangerous it is to be young. Nothing wrong being young. I wish I was a little younger myself sometimes. But it's dangerous to be young. Do you know why? Because when you're young, you think you're bulletproof. When you're young, you think you know it all and nobody can tell you anything. By the point that you find out you didn't know anything, it's sometimes too late to go back on those decisions and choices that you've already made. When you're young, you don't recognize what is reckless behavior. The older you get, the more experience you have, you begin to see things as that's a problem far before other people see it's a problem. Do you know why? Because when you're young, you don't think about that and you don't know how fast things can go bad. Older you get, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, I've been there. That was stupid. Don't want to do that again. So then you try to share that wisdom with someone else, to which you're like, I got this. No, you don't, until they learn the same lesson for themselves. Now, for these reasons, the Apostle Paul says, focus on self-control. Focus on being sensible. We find in Proverbs 16.32 that Solomon said, One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And the one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. He's talking about self-control. Peter told believers that knowledge leads to self-control. Self-control leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to godliness. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. We find in Galatians 5 that a part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And that's not gained because somebody has made the willful decision, I'm going to be more self-controlled. But rather, self-control is gained because they recognize how many times they've blown it before. And now the next challenge comes, they say, I submit to God. God lived through me in this. And as they do that, he lives self-control through them. So, here's my challenge. Every guy in the room, ages 13 and up, has been addressed in this text. Older Christian men, those 60 and above, are to be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, love, as well as perseverance. Now, God is not asking for perfection, but God does desire maturity. Young men, those who are 13 to 59... They are to focus on self-control because it is out of that character quality that these other ones are developed. Consider again what Heidegger said. Every man is born as many men and dies as a single one. The question becomes, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of a legacy do you want to leave? What type of an example do you want to set? It's important we ask the questions because all along the way, there will be different challenges to pull you off of the right path. I cannot encourage you enough. Do not let a desire for money, 
power, prestige, fame, anything else pull you off of that path that leads towards being a godly, mature Christian man. Now, here's the way we're going to finish up. Very practical thing. And that is, on June the 20th, excuse me, July the 20th, as well as the 21st, we're going to have a men's conference. It's going to be led by Dr. Michael Catt out of Sherwood Baptist in Albany, Georgia. The focus of this conference is not on my watch. And it is a challenge to men to step into areas of godly leadership. How do you lead the home well? How do you lead within the church well? How do you lead within the community well? So we want men to be a part of this. And right now, we are offering an early bird special, $35 for those who are going to sign up. And here's what that gets you. Dinner on Friday night, snacks on Friday night, snacks on Saturday morning, Four different lessons from a guy who has been teaching and training men for over 30 years. Now, it's Father's Day weekend. I'm going to let you in on a little secret that many wives do not know. Did you know your husband loves for you to sign him up for things he didn't ask for? So feel free. Here's what you need to do on this. If you want to register for the conference, basically, you would text the word WATCH to 702-919-7878, and it'll lead you through that process. The number goes up to $70 after, I believe it's the 26th of June. So we want to encourage guys, teenage men, to be a part of this conference. It might be the most important investment that you've made in your life, in your marriage, and in your family in a long time. That being said, here's that quote one more time. Every man is born as many men and dies as a single one. What kind of a man do you want to be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the challenge that the word brings. And God, we recognize everything that was addressed within this text talks about mature character qualities. These are not things that happen overnight. It's something that happens after years and years and years of walking with you through the ups and downs of life. God, I pray that this morning men don't walk away discouraged, but I pray that they walk away informed, that they now recognize here's the pieces that need to be in my life. When I reach this particular age, I should be growing in each of these different areas. God, I pray that you would help us to be the men, the husbands, the fathers that you desire for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.